Father, may you expand us this morning as a congregation. God, may you give us just a desire for all that you are doing and who you are. May we be a bright and a shining lamp in community. And Father, this morning we thank you for that. In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. And if you agree with me, say amen. Amen. I want to welcome you this morning to Toronto City Church. A great place to be. I know it's a long weekend. I know many people are still on their way. But we're going to jump into a time of worship this morning. We also want to welcome our online audience that are viewing from wherever you are in the world. We welcome you this morning to worship with us this morning. Love so red. 
right here, um, just as we were singing this, just the part that says, hallelujah, our God reigns. I just feel like sometimes I feel this over our city or I feel this in my personal life where I'm like, God, I need you. I need to hear myself elevate you above every situation. Like I need to, I need to release praise to God that declares into the atmosphere that he reigns above all situations. Am I the only one in here that needs to do that sometimes? No, the rest of us probably need to do that. So I want us to do this for a sec, just for a few moments. I want you to think about something in your life that may be weighing heavy in your heart. And we're going to sing this again. And it may be, you may not have anything weighing heavy in your heart. But you may need to sing this over our region, over our city, over whatever, you know, the situation that's going on with your mom, cancer, whatever the case may be, that our God reigns. Hold on a second, Ben. Hold on a second. I just feel the sobriety of this in a moment, that it's not just a song that we're singing, but it, it is the reigning and rulership of Christ that we want to elevate above all. So I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I'm just praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come to you right now about how God, the Bible says he sits enthroned in heaven and he laughs. That he is holy, there is no one like him. And that he is the Lord of all lords. He is the king of all kings. That above every situation that you are facing or above what may be going on in the world today, that he is to be exalted above all. So I want you to take a moment to reflect on that, to take a moment to reflect on the beauty of Christ, the kingly rule, the one that sits enthroned in heaven, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ever imagine or think, the one who is in, incredibly kind, this is just not a fancy song it's not about a hype song it's not it's none of that it really is about our holy God whose name is Jesus father we we look to you your word says in Psalm 34 that we can look to you with unashamed faces Because there is no future outside of a future with you. You are high and exalted. I want us to sing this again, and I want you to worship. I want you to step into, you know, as we're at this final moment of worship, I want you to step into a, another realm of surrender as we sing this, which means looking away from the things that distract or the things that weigh heavy on your heart and looking to God, who the Bible says is the author and finisher of our faith. So even before we sing it, I want you to begin to just stir your heart to release worship to God. Just tell him how much you love him, how much he is exalted. You may want to raise your hands. You may want to kneel. We're just going to press a little bit deeper right now. Let's sing it again. Hallelujah. Come on, let's just release our worship to God.
on, let's sing it again. Let's surrender. Come on, let's sing it again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One more time, let's sing it again, one more time. Father, we love you this morning. And corporately as a church, Father, we say we love you this morning. Father, we ask this morning that, Father, as we stand here as a local church, Father, that you would cause us to fall deeper and deeper in love with you. But, Father, that you would also do something in our hearts this morning for one another. Father, I thank you that though this is a season where many people are coming out of hard times. Father, I pray that you would do something in our local church where we see one another, we hear one another, and we minister to one another. And Father, this morning as we do every Sunday, we pray for our nation. We pray for Canada. Father, we cry out for mercy over this land. God, we pray for our government. God, we pray that you would surround every level of government with wise and godly counsel. Father, we thank you that, God, that your kingdom come and your will be done in Canada as it is in heaven. And we thank you that we get the opportunity to stand in the gap for our nation this morning. 
And Father, this morning we pray for other churches in our region and in our nation. God, we ask that you would strengthen the local church, that you would strengthen pastors and leaders that lead Canada in a hard and sometimes dry climate. God, may we see with eyes of hope and faith that you want to see Canada come into its greatest days. So Father, we thank you for strengthening the local church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? Amen? Amen. Before you find your seat, if you can greet someone around you, greet three people, at least three people. Good morning. It is great to see you this morning. We are super excited this morning that you didn't go to the beach, but you decided to be in church. We are happy. Pardon me? Oh, there's a storm? Oh, there's no beachy weather? Oh, the Lord wanted you here, right? <laughs> here we are. How many people are happy to be in the house of God this morning? Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm excited for you to be here. Uh, I can't really see you. I'm kind of squinting to see your faces, but I'm glad that you are here. If you are visiting us for the first time, we want to say a huge welcome on behalf of Pastor Brennan and myself. Pastor Brennan is actually uh, with our eldest child in a basketball tournament in Montreal. Everybody say, aw. Someone clapped. Who clapped? <laughs> Oh, you were cheering him on. Okay, I'll tell him that it wasn't a clap that he was away, but yeah, they won their first game by 40. I, I, I am a proud mama, um, and Pastor Brennan and I are actually, we're both headed to um, Alpha, uh, Alpha in the UK. We're headed to London, um, and we had a little bit of a detour with this basketball tournament, so I fly out tonight to London. He comes back tonight and flies out Monday night and is going to meet me in London um, to uh, attend something that's actually about the church and the new frontier that we're in and how Alpha, how many people know Alpha, right? Have been touched by Alpha, how we can partner with them um, in the nation of Canada um, and see it change hearts and lives. So I just want to welcome you this morning. Obviously, if you're here for the first time, we, we say thank you for being here. Um, we do have a gift that we want to give to you at the Get Connected table, uh, which is out in the foyer. There are some volunteers there that will be so happy to meet you and give you something and pray for you, get you connected in any way that you want to get connected. So thank you for being with us this morning or this afternoon. How many people are givers here at Toronto City Church? Oh, wow. That, that's just, okay. How many people are givers here at Toronto Center? How many people want to be the most generous people on planet Earth? Right? Well, that's good. You're in the right place. I was thinking about this verse this morning. This verse often comes back to me in a season where I know that the Lord is moving on my heart in a higher level of generosity. I'm all, I, as Pastor Brendan will always share, I'm someone who's super generous. I love to give good gifts. In fact, just the other day, uh, one of my spiritual daughters in the Lord who uh, just recently got married, she's in India and married an American guy, moved to the uh, Seattle area. Um, we got the opportunity, we weren't there with them today as they were celebrating uh, their union, but we got the opportunity to send a gift. 
because we believe in sowing in to people and sowing into what God is doing. And God brought this uh, passage of scripture right back to me, um, which is out of 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. It says, let giving flow from your heart. Turn to somebody and say, your heart. Now turn to somebody else and say, your heart. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy of giving, all because God loves, a hilari- God loves hilarious generosity. It says, let it spring up freely from the joy of giving and not a sense of religious duty. So I did this in first. I want you to shake off religious duty. Just, just indulge me for a minute. Just, just do a little shake in church. We're going to shake off religious duty. Nobody's coming to say, you must do this and you've got to do this. God says, He loves it when we give with a cheerful heart and that those who sow from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. And I want to say this. I want to, I want to, I want to encourage you in your giving this morning because we have started to hear the testimonies come in of people, um, God providing new jobs, God getting people out of debt, people finding places to live. Come on, right? Like he is a faithful God. We can give God a hand. Come on, let's give God a hand for doing that. And I believe it's not because anybody's twisting anybody's arm to give. It's because we are made in the image of God and the imago Dei of God, the image of God. And because we are like him, in us flows the joy of giving generously. So I want to encourage you as you continually give here at Toronto City Church. Uh, we're going to have a moment uh, at the end where we're going to give to our guest speaker today, um, who probably is one of the most generous people that I know. My husband and I often say this, literally we said it a couple days ago, that Pastor Rick and Kathy Cimitero, who are the heads of um, our fellowship, are super generous. You get around them and my husband and I are pulling out our checkbook to give. Like It's just like we come under a cloud of giving when we're around them. Um, So you're going to have an opportunity at the end to give towards them. But right now we're taking up our weekly tithes and offering. And we're not passing the baskets, but once again, there's different ways to give. You can see it on the screen. Um, There are many, many ways you can give here. But I want to just shout out to those of you that have been faithful to giving because God is breaking through in our congregation as we speak. So let me pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you for every household represented here. God, I thank you that you delight and showing your goodness to us. Father, we delight in being like our Father, and you delight in demonstrating your goodness. So Father, I thank you this morning that you are provider. I thank you that your word says you are Jehovah Jireh, our provider. So right now we bring to you every situation where people are in need financially and need a new, a new house in need of you to, to meet them. Father, we thank you that you, um, that you hold to your promise and that you meet us where we are. Thank you for financial prosperity in every household here so that we can give and we can have more than enough to give to our neighbors. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you want to turn your attention to the screen for our weekly announcements.
Awesome. Well, this morning we have a special treat. Uh, we have Pastor Kathy Cimitero who's going to be bringing the word this morning. I honestly, I, I said it in first service that I probably don't do this as much as I should in, in telling her how much I appreciate her and how much I follow and honor her leadership in the body of Christ in Canada, but also worldwide. These guys are legit leaders. And why I say that is because in a season and time where many, there's moral failing, there are leaders that are crumbling, leaders that are, you know, not doing so well. Uh, these leaders are thriving. And God has given them such an anointing um, to raise up leaders to the apostolic network that we're part of, a relational network we're part of called Ministers Network Canada. Uh, they, they are the leading uh, leaders over that. And they've done just such an amazing job of modeling longevity in the body of Christ. Like I, as a young leader, I don't want to just start well, run well. I want to finish well. And I want to run my journey and leave legacy. And these guys are like young. They are leaving legacy all over the nation of Canada and the nations of the earth. This lady has authored, how many books have you authored now? Four books. I haven't started my first. She has authored four books that are actually amazing, amazing, amazing books. One of them in particular on the cross, um, just a deep revelation of the cross that I think each and every one of us need to read probably every year to refresh um, our, our understanding of what was purchased for us on the cross of Calvary. So I want you to join with me in giving a huge Toronto City Church welcome to Pastor Kathy. Come on, let's clap for her. Yeah, and I did this in first service. I gave her, I didn't, I didn't give her the right mic. The right mic is actually sitting there, but I'm going to, Nana, do you mind just grabbing it for us there? It's just on the, on the um, seat there. This is her right mic. So this, this lady preached up the storm in first service. Honestly, it was one of the most impactful messages that I think many of us need to hear. Um, about, you know, missiology, about the mission of Christ and what God has called us to here on planet Earth. So I want you to um, just do, the, do this for me. Just check your battery. Just make sure your battery's in properly. Everybody's good. And we're going to listen to the word this morning. I love your pastors. Uh, we have been blessed to be able to do ministry with them and in our network. The, uh, uh, Pastor Brendan's just been such an asset to my husband in, in our uh, monthly or bi-weekly Zoom meetings and all the things we do. And we're so grateful for them. We had such an awesome opportunity to be with them in Dubai last September. An awesome place to go visit. <laughs> and um, But we were there for the Empowerment 21 conference. And... Uh, we're just grateful that, you know, you, you have awesome pastors that really care about the body of Christ. They really have vision, they have passion, they're excited, and they're the real deal. Amen? And we're so grateful for them. And uh, I want to welcome all of you who are joining by um, live stream as well. We're excited that you're a part of what we're doing here. And it's awesome that in this day we can reach so many people out there in the community that may not be able to get to church, but uh, they get to hear the word of God. It's better if you can come to church. That's the best because you get to meet some awesome people and network with them and fellowship with them. But uh, you know what? We're glad you're here. We're glad if you're tuning in. We appreciate that. And how many know we are living in one of the most exciting times? Wow, that's a good response. Uh, 
you guys did better than the first service. But anyway, um, you know, we are living in an exciting time. And if we just watch the news, we're going to feel like we're living in a scary, depressing time. You know, if we listen to what's going on in the world. But we have to see past that. We have to know that God is up to something big. And he has called you to be a part of it. You are here for such a time as this. And God has put in you what you need to make a difference and to make an impact. Now, when I talked to Pastor Brendan about what to speak on, he was telling me about the series you were doing. And so I, I said, would you want me to do maybe the church in the community? And he thought that was a great idea. So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. And this is so important. It is absolutely crucial, uh, this message about how you can make a difference, and you will make a difference. Um, you know, you are appointed, you are anointed, and you are called of God to make a difference. You have the power of God on the inside of you. You have the mind of Christ. You have the wisdom of God. You have the word of God. You have the gifts of the spirit. You have uh, other gifts that God has given you. God has put you here and he has a plan and a purpose for your life. Now, some people may think, well, I, you know, I'm not really that influential. I don't know that many people. It doesn't matter. We all work with the sphere of influence that we have, that we're in, whether it's at work or in your neighborhood or your family, and God will put people across your path that you can impact. Amen? And so with that, I'm going to start reading some scripture, and then I'm going to tell you a lot of really neat stories um, about things that God has done. Some stories I didn't share in the first, I'll share in this one. But um, this is so crucial because you live in a community. This church is in a community. And I'll tell you, the enemy is trying to stomp out the church. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to get rid of the church. But he can't. And he won't succeed. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, John 1, and I'm going to start at verse 4. It says, The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. What did his life bring? light, right? Light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. That's his word, right? The devil can't wipe out the word of God. He can't wipe out the light that it brings. And so we have to understand this now, you know, Jesus came to be the light, but he has called you to be the light in this world. And you are in this world but you are not of this world. And there's a lot of scripture for that. One of the scriptures I want to read that just confirms that is in John 17. And this is Jesus praying. It was actually, you know, the one prayer that we have where he was praying for the disciples, where he was praying for his followers. And he said this in verse 14. He said, I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to this world just as I do not belong in this world. Or to this world. So we do not belong to this world. And as long as you think this is it, then you're missing it. But then he goes on to say, I'm asking you to take, he's talking to the, his father. He says, I'm, ask, I'm not asking you to take them out of this world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. So in other words, we're going to be here in this world, but he's asking that we be safe from the evil one. And then he goes on and he says, they do not belong to this world any more than I do. Well, you might think, well, he's talking about the disciples. Well, let's read on. Verse 18. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. 
And then he goes on in verse 19. He says, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. But I'm praying not only for these disciples, but I'm also praying for all of those who will ever believe in me through their message. So he was praying for you. And he was praying that you would know that you are not in this world, that you're not of this world, that you're in this world, but you're not of this world. And he's praying that, that you would be sent out. Do you know, God has called you to be sent out, to make a difference, to make an impact on the community. Now, I'm going to read another scripture, Matthew 5, 14 to 16. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the, ho- in the house. In the same way, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. So that, they, so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So now he's referring to good deeds as being the light. Now, we're not saved by our works, but our works is evidence of our salvation. If you, if you know Christ, you will do good works. It's not what saves you, but it follows, it, it, it comes out of you because of who you are. Now, I'm going to get into, you know, telling a few stories because this is so important. Everything God does, he, he wants to reveal himself to a lost and dying world. Now, we live in a world that's pretty messed up. And, you know, quite a few years ago, my husband and I, we um, uh, went down to Larry Stockstill's church in Baton Rouge, um, Louisiana. Sorry, forgot what state it was. And uh, we were down there. We, were, we came in late for a pastor's dinner uh, the first night of this conference. And so we had to sit at one of the last tables. There was just a few seats left. So we sat down. And uh, for this dinner, it already just started. And then if, about five or ten minutes later, somebody else came in late and sat down beside us. And, um, you know, we began talking to this individual. And, and it turned out to be Dr. Uh, Billy Wilson, who is actually the, um, he's the dean of, uh, he, over Oral Roberts University. He's also the head of Empowerment 21, which we didn't know anything about at that time. And he's recently become head of the World Pentecostal. Um, organization. And so Rick and him began to talk. And he had said when he came to that dinner, he had prayed on the way there, on the way there, that God would connect him with somebody for, from Canada to lead Empowerment 21 Canada. And so as he talked to Rick, he realized this is the person, you know, he ended up sitting right beside him. So he asked Rick to head up Empowerment 21 for Canada. Well, at the time, Rick agreed to, but he said he wanted to recruit some other people to help him because we were heading up OBFF at the time, and we were still pastoring our church at that time, and so we were pretty busy. So he uh, got David Wells, head of the PAOC, and then Gordon McDonald, who was the head of another network involved. So the three of them headed up Empowerment 21. So our very first time, we went to an Empowerment 21 meeting was shortly after that, and it was in Virginia Beach. And um, they were talking about there how, what is the biggest thing that the 21st century church is facing? What is it the 21st century church has to deal with? What are the issues that we have to face? And they came out with the number one issue was going to be addiction. 
And they were talking about how so many people now are getting addicted to things, uh, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography or gambling or, you know, there's so many things out there that people get addicted to and they get in bondage. And so he said, if the church, the church has to know how to help people get free from addictions. So we took that to heart. And uh, so we began, you know, figuring out and praying and asking God, how can we help people with addictions? And that was when I began to uh, move forward with starting a woman's home, which I had no idea what to do or how to do it. But God supernaturally brought the right people, brought the money, and it all came together. And, and I was be able to, uh, to open up a woman's home. God provided supernaturally finances, supernaturally people. And I'm not going to go into all the detail. I shared a little more about that in the first service. But we also went around to different churches and, uh, uh, sorry, not just researched different ministries. And we found out about Celebrate Recovery. So we, we ended up starting a Celebrate Recovery. We found out about Genesis, which is a relapse prevention program. And we uh, sent a couple to get training in that and brought that into the church. And so we started doing and setting our church. So our church soon began to emerge in our community as a church that could really help people with addictions. And that's what we wanted to do, and we purposed to do that. So we can do things as a church. What a church needs to do is look for the needs in your community, whatever those needs are, and find out which ones you can meet. Now, maybe there's other people or other churches or ministries already meeting certain needs, and you can partner with them or help them. There was a church in the city of Windsor in the downtown area where, you know, in the... In the um, lower income area and they were um, ministering to the people of that area we were more out in the suburbs so we partnered with this church in the inner city and we began to support some things they were doing to reach people in that um, community and God blessed us because of what we were doing for them now we live in a time where there are more issues than ever before people are struggling with mental illness that's a huge one Suicidal, suicide, divorce, sexual confusion. Do you want to know? I don't know if you guys heard of this. Have you ever heard of um, people that think they're animals? And I know one of my grandsons, the school he went to, there were a number of kids that believed they were either a cat or a dog. And they acted like a cat or a dog on leashes, on all fours, barking or meowing or doing whatever. And the teacher said, that's who they identify with, so you have to leave it alone. That's pretty sad. But these are the types of things. People are confused. Uh, financial pressure, poverty. You know, we're, we're living in a time right now where the cost of living has escalated. The cost of housing has escalated. The cost of gas has escalated. The cost of food has escalated. I mean, it's ridiculous. And if we look at that, we can get fearful. But we serve a God who supplies all our need according. You can't outgive God. Do you know... My husband and I, we had a, a, a fairly big house, um, a couple, several well, before COVID, um, and we, we were traveling all the time because we had transitioned our home and we were now kind of traveling all over the place and we just didn't have time to take care of this house anymore. So we made a decision to downsize and buy a townhouse. And so we sold our house and we had enough money. We ended up with enough money to buy two townhouses. And um, so the builders were just starting a project, so they gave us a really good entry level price on everything because they were just starting this they were friends of ours they gave us a really good deal so we we're able to buy these two townhouses and we moved my mother into one because she's 90 we moved her from uh, sarnia into windsor area and we moved her into one so she would have a place to live and so we're not charging her rent she just carries the expenses and uh, she's on our same street so we can keep an eye on her but both those townhouses have doubled in price in 
two years. We've made over almost a million dollars. Because, and I believe it's because God has blessed us because we keep sowing. Even when we went through a, a big financial crisis a few years ago uh, where we lost most of our income, and, uh, but we just kept sowing and sowing and sowing, and God blessed us. You can't help give God. I'm not afraid of inflation. I'm not afraid. And I trust God that no matter what happens, he will take care of us. Another big thing uh, we're dealing with, um, obviously, is um, the, the poverty, sickness, uh, racism is a big issue still. You'd think that by now we'd have solved this issue, but it's not solved at all. And it is a sin, and it is not of God. But another situation that we're dealing with is in our culture today is ageism, where people, uh, especially that younger generation, they kind of cast aside older people. They no longer value them. And they're kind of left aside, left out, and it's in the church. Do you know the most productive years of your life are between the ages of um, 50, uh, 60 and 70? Number one, productive years. Number two is 70 and 80. That's the truth. It's a fact. Number three is 50 to 60. Do you know the people that invented this are seniors or dead? <laughs> It's true. All the things that you enjoy were developed and invented by seniors now. The wisdom that they possess is amazing. Yet we don't value them. I mean, I'm a senior, so I'm, you know, I'm in my most productive year still. I'm just about getting into my second most <laughs> productive. Anyway, um, but, but these people are struggling with fear. They're struggling with loneliness. They're struggling, you know, with all kinds of issues. And the needs are out there. And we are the light. We have the answer. We are the hope. And so often the church just is so stuck in their four walls, they're not getting out there and they're not reaching into the community. And there's so many ways, and I'm going to give you a whole bunch of stories that will uh, show you things that we've seen done. Now, when I was first a Christian, I was only saved not even a year, and I fell on ice and I broke my pelvic bone, and I ended up in a convalescent hospital in Toronto for six weeks. I was, had, I was told I had to stay in bed, I couldn't get out of bed. And um, it was not a fun place to be. I was 19 years old, and it was like being in a senior citizen home. <laughs> Most of the people in there were elderly. And, um, but when, the day I got in there, though, and um, some people from my church came and prayed for me. And when they left, nothing happened. I didn't know anything about healing at the time. But when they left, shortly after they left, I started moving my legs, and the pain was gone. And I, before long, I realized I was healed. I was completely healed. And I'd only been in the hospital one day. And I was upset now because now I'm stuck in this hospital. And the doctor only comes once every two weeks because it was a convalescent hospital. And I can't leave without his permission. And it was out, just outside of Toronto at the time. And so, but what I realized, God put me on a mission. Now I'm in this hospital. So I started going around and talking and visiting with the other patients. And before long, I started leading several of them to the Lord. Because many of the people that were in that home were there, either they were at the end of the, their lives, or they were, some of them were younger people that had gone through a major crisis. One man I led to the Lord, he and his wife, they, they got stuck in a blizzard on uh, the 427 highway, and um, their car broke down, and, or something happened anyway, and they got hit, and she was killed, and his, his legs were completely destroyed, and he'd been in the hospital for eight or nine months. But I ended up leading him to the Lord. 
Another young lady had just been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I had an opportunity to pray with her and tell her about my healing and led her to the Lord. So, you know, there's people that are hurting everywhere. And we can just reach out to people around us. There's neighbors that, you, that may live near you that are, you know, maybe they've been abandoned by a husband. Maybe they're, you know, depressed or struggling with depression or they're going through something. And we just have to pray and ask God to bring people across our path that we can touch. Sometimes we just need to listen to people. Not just go preach the gospel right away, but be the hands and feet of Jesus. Show them the love of God. That's what God is calling us. We have to bring change. We can't be intimidated by the enemy. The enemy uses fear and apathy and selfishness and distractions and all kinds of things to keep us from reaching out and touching other people. And God may call you to do something small. He may call you to do something big. It doesn't matter what it is, how big it is, who it is. It just matters that you're doing what God has called you to do. You know, God has used us to do big things, but he's also used us to do small things. And sometimes those small things turn out to be big things. We don't even know what we're doing. I want to tell this one story. I didn't tell this in the first service, but... um, we ha- my husband grew up in Detroit in the Eastern Market, and he- there was another family that, um, were, you know, he was raised there, and this other family, their kids were raised there. And it turned out that Rick got saved and got in ministry, but the other family, one of the sons got saved and got in ministry too. And they have a church over in outside of Detroit area. And so we've often gone over there, spoken with that church and uh, at that church and, and done a lot of ministry with them. But one time we were over there, Rick was ministering, and they had a teenage son. He was only 12 or 13 years old, and he was about to go on his first mission trip. And he was just a kid, and, uh, but he had a passion for God, and he was about to go on his first mission trip, and he was all excited. And so Rick spoke, and they gave Rick an honorarium. Rick felt God told him to give his whole honorarium to that kid for his first mission trip. And, it was the, and he was the first person that really sowed into him. Fast forward years later, that kid, his name's Dominic Russo, started a ministry. He went to ORU, graduated, started a ministry called Missions Me. And God gave him a vision that a nation could be saved in a day. And so what he started doing, the first nation he went to was Honduras, and he met with the president of Honduras. And this is how you can open doors, where people will will get behind what you're doing. What he did is he went to the president of the nation, got a meeting with him, and said, if you let me come into your country, I'm going to bring 5,000 missionaries in. And we're going to spend one week in your country. And when we leave, crime's going to be down. We're going to meet people's needs. Your country is going to be changed. That's what he told him. And he sold the president of Honduras on this. And then for two years, he did preparation. Once he, once he got the buy-in from the president, he got the buy-in that we would be protected by the army, that we would have uh, a, a full access to the media, that we would have full access to the education system. And he, he convinced the president that we would change the nation. And then he sent people in for two years to network with all the pastors and churches in that nation that already existed to get them to on board with this project and to work together. And then in the meantime, in North America, he he found out there were 16 provinces in that country. And he divided up the 16, and each one had a stadium. So he was going to rent all 16 stadiums on the same night, the same day. And he called this project One Nation, One Day. 
He raised 5,000 missionaries that went to um, Benton, Florida, where we did a big uh, rally. He got 16 leaders. Rick and I were one of the leaders to take one of those provinces and, and head up the meeting that we were going to plan for, for evangelism in this nation. He raised up doctors and nurses and dentists and got business people to provide food and clothing and all kinds of stuff. So when we went into that nation, 5,000 of us went in. Each had teams of people that we raised up. Each, like Rick and I had to raise a team of people to go in, and each one did. So there was 5,000 people go into Honduras on the same day, and for one week, we fed the people, we clothed the people, they had medical clinics, they took care of people, we brought tons of food and supplies, and we uh, handed out flyers to get everybody to come to the, the climax of the week, which was the um, stadium meeting. The, and, and Dominic, he had the, the capital city, and the president was going to be there. We had access to all the media. Rick and I spent the whole week with media and with the, the leaders in our province, which is the mayor, and with the head of the education system. We had people go into the schools all week, you know, give things to the kids in the schools. In every province, there was a team doing this of people. You know, John Bevere was involved, and um, so many well-known people got involved in this as well. And so we did these meetings. Well, when we, But the neat thing was we flew from... He rented a 747 to fly everybody back and forth from Miami into Honduras. This is this 13-year-old kid we sewed into for his first mission trip. That nation was transformed that week. It was amazing the things God did. Absolutely amazing. And on the way back, we were off like we were flying back in the 747 they had rented. I can't tell you all the stories that happened, but it was amazing. And um, Dominic got up. We were up in the first class, and Dominic got up and announced to the whole um, plane full of people. There was 500 people on this plane. And um, he announced, Rick, he said, this person was the first person to ever sow into my ministry. It's awesome. You don't know who you're impacting. You don't know who you're making a difference with. And um, we need to realize that whatever we do, big or small, it changes lives. You only have to change one life at a time. Not everybody's going to do big things. But you may be the one to change the person that will do big things. And then that's your fruit. That's your fruit. When we, as a church, you know, realized that, the, you know, our main thing was to meet the needs of our community, we started a food bank, you know. We called immigration to find out how can we help immigrants coming into Canada in our area. And they told us a plan that we could do. So we started network, or partnering pe families with new families coming into Canada to help them get established in Canada. You know, we worked with Children's Aid, getting uh, people to... Uh, help with the, the crisis that they're in with children that are being taken out of abusive homes. And um, we started uh, helping people. Like in, in Vancouver, they had the housing crisis that we've just recently experienced where 
prices went crazy. But they had that quite a few years ago. And so many people in Vancouver couldn't find places to live, couldn't afford places to live. And they, they had uh, jobs. They, it wasn't that they were you know, on the streets because of other issues. They just couldn't afford it. And so Vancouver was pleading with people to take in a border, rent your basement out, do something to help people. These are opportunities. See, no matter what the crisis is, God likes to take advantage of these situations and use them to let our light shine so that we can reveal who he is. You know, when Katrina hit, you know, uh, Katrina was horrible when it hit. And we were already connected to Pastor Larry Stocksdale in Louisiana. And so they took a 1,000 people from New Orleans into their church that were staying in their church. And they, they had trouble handling all these people. They had to feed them and take care of them. So we, took, we brought buses down from our church, and we brought teams of people down to help cook in the kitchen and help meet the needs of the people. You know, when the bad tornadoes hit uh, Oklahoma, we ended up bringing people uh, trucks loads of food to Oklahoma. We networked and partnered with Bishop Tony Miller and his church and helped people down in that area. And see, when we see crises, that's our opportunity. When we see people in need, people that are hurting, that's when they're the most likely to open themselves up. And um, I love to tell the story. Uh, I told this in the first service about a, a lady. Uh, when I first got saved, went to the church that I was going to, and her name was Myrtle. And at the time, in Mississauga, we were in Mississauga, and at the time, um, there was a serial killer. This is going back 48 years or 50 years ago, a long time, I'm dating myself here. Anyway, so we were... Uh, this, this, this person was a serial killer. He had murdered and raped a few girls, and then he had attempted to do the same with another one, but she ended up living, and so he got caught. And so there was this huge trial that was going on, and it was actually broadcast all over Canada. And a lot of people were following this trial. And uh, I was going to a church in Mississauga at the time. Anyway, this woman, she was a widow, but she just had the joy of the Lord all over her. She just loved to help people and do things. And everybody's watching this trial every day. They're fascinated with it. And, but Myrtle noticed something when she was watching the trial. She noticed the wife of the serial killer, who was a school teacher and had two young boys. And she was devastated as things unfolded, and she realized her husband had done this. And she was also being shunned. She was full of shame. She was just devastated. She was horrified. And Myrtle zeroed in on that. She started praying for her. And then she said, I'm going to go down to the courtroom. And I'm going to meet this lady. And I'm going to take her out for lunch. And she did. She went down to the courtroom when the trial was getting out one day. And she invited this woman to lunch. And this woman was shocked that anybody would even want to have anything to do with her. And all Myrtle said to her, I know you are going through a horrible time. And I know you're devastated and you need help. I just want to take you out for lunch and let you know that I care. And she did. Next thing you know, Myrtle brought this woman and her two sons to our church. And the whole church rallied around them to help them through this horrific time they were in. And then our pastor at the time went to the prison and led her husband to the Lord and did deliverance on him. I mean, he still served his time, you know. But see what God can do. We just have to look for that one person that is out there. And all we have to do is go and tell them we care. Listen to them. Let them know somebody cares about them. See, this is what God has shown us. Every person has a crown of glory on their head. Every human being. It doesn't matter what religion they are, what race they are, how old they are. 
what they own, how educated they are. It doesn't matter who they are. They have a crown of glory, and they were created in the image and likeness of God. And we have to stop judging people from the outside and begin to value every single human being. And we have to look at them and see them as precious and that they matter, and they need to matter to us. Now, we can't help everyone. We're only one person. But there's somebody you can help. There's somebody. God will show you. He'll show you who you can help. You know, uh, a number of years ago, my husband and I were, had moved into a new subdivision. This was uh, before the one we live in now. And, um, you know, we were the first ones to move into the sub. We're friends with builders, and so they, we get the buy-in right at the beginning and make more money that way because, uh, you know, they always sell. And a new subdivision, this is a key if you want to buy a home, find a new subdivision that's just starting, and you buy the first house or the first few houses, you get a better deal. But anyway, <laughs> um, so we had moved in. Mind you, you got to live in a construction zone for a while. But uh, we had just moved into this, and, and then another family was, uh, we noticed an, uh, another family moving in a few doors down from us. And so we, uh, we, they had a, a U-Haul. And so my husband went over to say hello to them, and then he realized that they were unloading this truck all by themselves. So he came home, and he said, do you think you're up to helping unload a truck (laughs) and so both of us went over and we offered our help to help this couple and they were very grateful because they had no help they weren't able to find movers or anything at the time so we helped them unload the truck and they weren't Christians they were from Quebec they had just moved to Windsor they didn't know a soul and very French people and so they had told us they they weren't believers but you know a lot of unbelievers pray and they had prayed God would send them some help And then they laughed later when they found out we were pastors. You know, we didn't think God would send us pastors. But anyway, because we helped them, they came to our church. They ended up coming to our church. They ended up, you know, getting involved in the church. They started getting involved in our food bank and helping out there. And they were great volunteers there. You know, they started doing all kinds of things for the church. When Rick and I traveled, they would take care of our our house and mow our lawn and do things for us. They were, it was awesome. But you know what? It all starts with offering to help just offering to help. I had the same opportunity just happened to me last week. I was, I just got back from Alaska. I'd been on an Alaskan cruise. I was really tired. It took 24 hours to get home. I didn't get any sleep. And I had gone over to visit my mother who lives on our street. And I was walking back from her place when I noticed a U-Haul in a driveway, a couple doors down from me, and the people were just moving in. And all I wanted to do was go to bed. I was tired. But I said hi. They said hi. And I said, oh, you're just moving in. Yes. And then Then out of my mouth, without thinking, came, do you need any help? (laughs) The last thing I wanted to do was help somebody move. And uh, they said, yeah, actually, we have a piano in here, and we can't get it in. (laughs) And I'm thinking, I can't do that. But but I said, you know what? I, I probably can't lift that piano, but I will get some help for you right now. I know a lot of people here, and I will go and recruit a few people so I got my husband I got my next door neighbor I got another neighbor and we all came back over and we all helped them get that piano in the house and it turned out he's a pilot just moved to Windsor and for private planes and he works for uh, flies all these wealthy people all over the place and anyway they just moved from Toronto and so he offered to, after we did the piano he said why don't I come in and give you guys come on in I'll give you guys a beer we thought, well, no, we don't need to do that, but we would love to get together with you. We know you're busy, you're unpacking, so we'll get together another time. But you know what? You sow a seed, right? You just sow a seed. And, 
And God is saying, I am calling you out. It could be that person at work. I shared this story earlier. Um, The first job I got after I got saved was the Ontario Milk Marketing Board in downtown Toronto. And when I first got saved, I didn't understand that you should get to know people before you witness to them. I just would witness to them right away. And uh, that didn't go so well. But anyway, when I got this job at the Ontario Milk Marketing Board, I did that. I went in there and I witnessed everything, everybody right away, and nobody wanted to have anything to do with me. And I was finding myself alone at lunch and breaks. <laughs> and so I realized that I had messed up. And so I prayed. I would pray all, all the time on my way to work. You should pray on your way to work and say, God, is there somebody? Is there something I can do today? And so I'm praying on my way to work. And I say, God, I messed up. Help me fix this. And so anyway, that day, um, everybody went for lunch. And I had to, they always had to have someone stay back and watch the offices during lunchtime. So I, I was staying back because nobody would sit with me anyway. And um, I'd already kind of blown my witness in the fact that I just went in both barrels. And um, all of a sudden, this young man from one of the executives from upstairs came down into the office. And it was a big open office area. And he sat on my desk and he said, I heard you're a Christian. I said, yeah, I am. And he told me he was too. So he told me his testimony. I told him my testimony. And we were still talking when all the women came back from lunch. So they're all watching me talk to this guy. So when he gets up and leaves, one of the girls came over and said, what were you guys talking about? And I said, well, he's a Christian like me. What I didn't know was he was a single bachelor, and all the girls were crazy about him. (laughs) And after that, they all wanted to hear what I had to say. (laughs) So God has had his way of redeeming the situation. But the next job I had... I was smarter. I thought, okay, I am not going to witness to anybody until God tells me. I'm just going to make friends with people. So I, wor- I got a job. I was an artist at Color Your World. And um, so I got this job there, and I'm in there, and I just made friends with all the women in there. I'd go for lunch, and year and a half, every day I'd pray going, and God, do you want me to share my testimony? No. God, I kept getting a check. No. Finally, after a year and a half, God said, today, I want you to tell them your testimony. So I did. Well, by that time, they'd all gotten to know me. They all liked me. We were friends, and so they were okay with it. Now, some of them made fun about it. Some of them, you know, they were little jokes and so on, but it was all, you know, it was all good. Anyway, about six months later, I left there. And, uh, but within, um, I'd say six weeks to two months, I got calls from a number of them. The first one was a girl that had a nervous breakdown because her boyfriend broke up with her. She ended up in a psychiatric hospital. She called me. I went in a letter to the Lord. Then another one of the girls, she was having an affair and her husband, she got caught, and now her marriage was a mess. She called me, I led her to the Lord. Then another one called, and I led her. But it was after I left there. See, we got to leave the timing up to God. And he has a timing in everything. And all we have to do is be obedient to her, or to him. And, um, you know, recently, uh, well, probably just before COVID, we were in Vancouver. My husband and I were speaking at Coastal Church, downtown Vancouver. They put us up in this big, nice hotel. It was actually called the Trump Hotel. And, uh, but I was going out for a walk one day while we were there. We were ministering. And I'm walking around, up praying, doing a prayer walk. And I see all these people in the street sleeping in doorwells, you know, doorways and under lampposts and just people homeless and they were dirty and they were just sleeping all over the place because it was really early in the morning and I remember just weeping and saying God these people are made in your image you have a crown of glory for every one of these people they all matter to you how can we make a difference how can I do something 
And God told me, you're already doing something. And he reminded me of something. I had opened a woman's home a number of years earlier. And a few years into it, my daughter ended up being the executive director, my middle daughter, Tara. And she ran that home for a couple of years, did an awesome job. But her husband had become an RCMP officer, and he got stationed out in British Columbia in, in the Vancouver area. So they moved out there. And um, by a divine appointment, my daughter got a job as a manager in, a woman, in the woman's home of the, one of the biggest missions in Vancouver. And it was like a, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, with a, a shelter, and they took in women that had babies that were living on the streets, drug addicts, and they were doing all this stuff. And they had a four-story building back then, and they'd hired her to be a manager. So she's helping these street people. And then the Lord showed me, you, and the reason they hired her was because she had been the executive director at my woman's home. And they had checked out my woman's home, and they liked what they saw, so they hired her. So anyway, um, so the Lord showed me, you know, you planted seed in your daughter. You opened a woman's home. Now she's here in this woman's center, Union Gospel Mission in Vancouver. And, uh, and she has a position there. And it even got better because later on, um, they just they tore that building down and they built a seven-story building. They moved everybody to an apartment building while they did it. They built a $48 million building, 77,000 square feet, with 63 apartment units for women to live after they go through the rehab to get transitioned. And they can live there for up to five years with their children. They have daycare centers in it. They have an educational system. They have a whole floor for women with babies. They just do all this stuff. And to top it all off, they needed an executive director to run the whole thing, and they hired my daughter. See, you can sow, and you can think maybe what you're doing is small, and my woman's home's not that big. But the seed of what Tara's doing is affecting Union Gospel Mission, which started in the 40s. It started as a, you know, and, and that ministry started small. All it was back in the 40s was a storefront that helped men find a place to sleep off the streets. It was, for years, it was just a men's ministry. And they'd already built a beautiful men's building a number of years ago. But then now they're focusing on women and, and children. But it started with just doing something small, and it grew. And it grew bigger and bigger and bigger. And so many big ministries that we know of started with just helping a few people. Not everybody's going to help everybody or a big ministry, but it doesn't matter. As long as you're doing what God has called you're do what you're doing. It's, it could be that one person that you can make the difference. Don't just invite people to church. Invite them to lunch. Invite them to your table. Invite them to your patio. Invite them into your life. Listen to their stories. Be there for them. The church isn't the building. This is where we go to get empowered so that we can do the, and be the church out there in the community. Meet the needs of, the, I will say this about Union Gospel Mission where my daughter works at, $48 million building, and it is a gospel outreach mission that is very Christ-centered. But 90% of that $48 million building was paid by non-believers, by business people in the community that want to help the homeless. Some of, them, some of it was paid by Christians, but you know what? Non-believers, if you're doing the good works, if you're being the light, they don't care. They'll get behind you. I found that out with my woman's home. 
I can't tell you how many non-Christian people support my woman's home because they like what we're doing. See, once you start getting on God's plan, he provides the resources. He provides the finances, the people, whatever it is. But maybe you'll just be the neighbor that bakes pies for people in the neighborhood or bring somebody food or visit somebody in the hospital. Be a volunteer somewhere where you're reaching people that are hurting and use wisdom. We all have different gifts. We can all do something. It doesn't have to be the big, don't look at the big thing, do the small things. And if you're meant to do big things, it'll grow. Isaiah 58, verse 6. And this is talking about, in the beginning of Isaiah, I won't read it all, but it's talking about how the people were fasting and God wasn't happy with their fast. And then in Isaiah 58, 6, he says, No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide them from relatives who need your help. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. And your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer yes I am here he will quickly reply remove the he- remove the heavy yoke of oppression stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors feed the hungry help those in trouble then your light will shine from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength you will be like a well-watered garden. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities. Then you will be known as a rebuilder of the walls and a restorer of homes. Wow. How much do we need to, you know, we need to get rid of the distractions. There's never been more distractions than there are today with games and video games and TV programs and sports and all these things that eat up our time and stop us from getting off our butts and getting out and meeting a need. But when it's all said and done, I'm not sure where I am for time, well, seven seconds. <laughs> when it's all said and done and we all face Jesus, He's going to separate the goats from the sheep. And he's going, to ask, he's going to say, you fed me when I was hungry. You clothed me when I was naked. You visited me when I was in prison. You know, he's going to say these things. And they're going to say, when do we do that for you when you did it for the least of them? And he's going to say to those that didn't do it, they're going to be on the other side. He's not going to ask how often you went to church, though we do need to go to church. We need to get fed so that we can help others. But he's not going to ask you how often, how long you prayed. He's going to say, did your light shine? Did you meet the needs in your community? Did you make a difference in someone's life? That's what matters to him. So I just encourage you 
Ask God every day, is there somebody I need to call, somebody I need to visit, somebody I can help? Make those sacrifices, and it is a sacrifice. It's messy helping people, trust me. It can be messy. It can be uncomfortable. It's definitely sacrificing. But you'll be so rewarded. And you'll have so many testimonies of God's provision and miracles and goodness and his love. And you'll have the joy of the Lord. I just wrote a new book. It's not out yet. It's going to be out in probably three weeks. And it's called The Joy Set Before You. And it's a, it's a book of testimonies of things God required me or others to do. And the joy that followed by obeying God, right? Because there's always joy set before us when we walk in obedience to God. I have a book here. This is my third book, and it's 101 Reasons to Live a Cross-Centered Life. Because it's as we live a cross-centered life that we know the heart of God. And, and that we can be motivated to do the things that God has called us to do. When I'm selling that out in the book table, and all the proceeds is $10, but all the money goes to the woman's home to support it. But you have a gift. There's something you have that nobody else has that somebody needs. And God wants you to find it, and he wants you to share it. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Just be obedient to those little steps that God will have you take because it always starts with little steps. Be obedient. And you will be blessed. Amen. Let's all stand. Father, I just thank you for this church. I thank you, Father God, that this church is a light in the darkness. And that you're using people in this church. I'm sure there's many that are already doing things. But I just want to encourage and motivate those that maybe know they should be doing more. Lord, that you will just enlighten them and help them see the potential inside of them. Help them see others with that crown of glory. Help them to value people that maybe they normally wouldn't value. Lord, I just pray that they'll look around them and they'll see past what somebody looks like, past their clothes or their status or their size or their race or their age. And they'll just think, I just want to know this person's story. I want to just give them a listening ear. Let them share with you. See what God does. Every person has hurts and brokenness and pain and every person has a story to tell but we need to tell them what God has done in our lives after we hear their story so Father I pray that you'll just bring many people here every person in the sound of my voice and those that are watching by live stream Lord that they will look for the opportunities they'll take advantage of this time we're in where there's so much pain and so much darkness and you want to capitalize on that pain to bring people to the light so they can know their God and know that he loves them, know that he cares, know that he provides. So I thank you, Father, for the multiplication. And that light will burn brighter and brighter and grow and be contagious and impact the city. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you so much. Once again, she has some books available at the table, at the book table, and I think you said all proceeds go to the women's home uh, there in Windsor. Once again, just a reminder, we are taking up an offering to bless them, her and Pastor Rick. You can do so um, in all the ways that we typically give, but if you can clearly market Pastor Kathy, just so that we make sure we get that in the offering for them. Um, and once again, the, the, this couple is a generous couple that is affecting change in our nation one person at a time uh, through the nation of Canada and the nations of the earth. So let us come together and sow into that. Um, I'm just going to pray as we close. For those of you who are in School of the Spirit, we do have our last class today at 1.45 here in the sanctuary. So you have time to grab something to eat and come back. Um, but other than that, you are free to go. So Father, I thank you today. God, I thank you for this word. Father, we receive it this afternoon. God, we pray that your word would bear much fruit in our hearts. Father, that, that you, even out of this word, would give us opportunities this week to meet the needs of those that, are, that you put around us. Father, I pray that we would all respond in obedience because we know that there's somebody on the other end of our obedience. So, Father, I thank you today uh, that you're moving us out of our comfort zones and you're helping us uh, to be your hands and feet in our communities. And we thank you for that. This this afternoon in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen have an awesome afternoon we will see you next week nine o'clock for first service 11 30 for second or online at 11 30.